We're in week number six of our series called He Said What? Everybody say, He Said What? He said, you guys are getting, we should carry this on all year. Y'all's getting really good at this. He said, what? And we are looking specifically at the things that Jesus said 2,000 years ago when he was upon this earth. And uh, he said some very profound things, uh, said some things that caused people to look at him like, what did he just say? Said some things that were some awesome illustrated stories, some parables. He told some great things and, and you know, did some incredible things. And just the, the words that he said literally transformed people's lives. And those same words that he said 2,000 years ago are still transforming lives today. And I promise you this, it has the power to transform your life even right now today if you will open your heart to receive and listen to what Jesus had to say. And uh, today we're in week number six. We're going to conclude this series today, do something different next week. But we're going to begin in Matthew chapter number 13. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 13 this morning. Matthew chapter number 13. This is the parable of the sower. I'm sure everyone is probably familiar with this. This is a very important parable that Jesus told, as we're going to find out here in just a moment. Uh, but there is something that's in this parable. Matter of fact, the whole meaning of this parable shows us the potential of what God's Word can do in a heart that's open to receive it. It's all about the condition of our heart. It's all about how open we are to receiving what God has to say. The, the Word of God can work in, 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 in someone's life today and it may not work in someone else's all because their heart was not ready to receive it. So this is very, very important to understand this parable that Jesus is sharing here. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. We're going to read the first nine verses first. I'm going to take some time to expound on that and then we'll read some more. Here we go. That day, I'm reading from a... Uh, New American uh, Standard Bible today, just because there's some wording in here that I wanted to point out, but pretty much the same as uh, any other modern translation. That day Jesus went out uh, of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him, so he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables. Now parables, once again, is just an illustrated story. It's a story that's got a uh, kind of a hidden meaning that he's trying to teach, that he's wanting them to understand. So he spoke to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell by the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell in rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. Verse number 8. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, don't you think that probably everyone in the crowd had ears? Probably so. Okay, so Jesus is, is not just saying, hey, if you've if you got physical ears, you, listen, and those of you that don't, obviously you can't. He's not saying that. He's saying, you need to pay attention to what I'm telling you here. You need to pay attention to this parable. Now, uh, when we hear a parable like this, when we hear about farming, a lot of us don't get it. If you didn't grow up on a farm, you probably really don't relate to what Jesus is saying here. But I guarantee you, everyone in this crowd knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. They didn't have 
the delis and the grocery stores that we have today to where if you need something to eat, you run down the grocery store and pick it up. I mean, these were all farmers. If you had a piece of land, you were probably growing some sort of crop uh, just because that's what you did. That's how you got the food. And so all of these people who are hearing this story by Jesus, they knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew about farming and they knew that it was hard work. They knew that um, there was a lot of labor involved. To, there was a lot of tilling and breaking up the ground and amending the soil to get it in the right condition for the seed to yield its fruit. They knew that it, you don't just go out and throw seed and, and expect it to work. I mean, there was, they had to plow it, and we're not talking about you know, big tractors and you know, that to do all this. I mean, we're talking about manual work. They've got to plow. They're pulling behind a or that's being pulled by, by an ox or, or a mule or some sort of a, a livestock animal that's doing that. I mean, it, we're talking about hard work. So when Jesus is talking about these conditions of the soil, these people understood what he's talking about. Oh yeah, I, I get it, what Jesus is saying here. So when Jesus says the sower went out to sow, everyone's like, oh, I, I get it. I know what Jesus is talking about. And so once he has their attention, he shares with the crowd these four different types of, of soil. I want to go through these quickly one more time and then we're going to get to where Jesus was comparing this, this soil with the condition of a man's heart. So verse number four, he says, as he sowed, as the sower sowed, some seeds fell beside the road and the birds came and ate them up. You may have a translation that says, some fell by the wayside or some fell along the footpath. And what this was is that this sometimes would would go around the field or sometimes through the field, but this was the place where they would walk as not to you know, disrupt the crops or, or, or interrupt the growth of the, the seed that's in the soil. They had a, a designated footpath that they could walk around, and this was hard-packed soil, almost like pavement. It had become a trail that you'd just walk all the time, just a, your footpath over and over and over, just compressing this soil. And it was very, very hard-packed. So as the sower is sowing the seed, some of the seed would fall on the footpath or beside the road. And because the soil was so hard packed, the seed could not penetrate into the ground. And because the seed could not penetrate into the ground, obviously there was no crop that was produced. And to keep the seed from penetrating the ground, not only was it hard packed, but because it couldn't go in, the birds would come and devour the seed from the soil. Now, without going into a lot of of analogy on this, uh, oftentimes birds in the Bible represent the devil or represent demonic activity. As a matter of fact, when as we read, especially uh, you know this is in different um, uh, gospel accounts, you're going to see that Jesus says it's the evil one that comes and steals this. It comes and steals this seed. So the birds would come and devour this seed to keep it from getting into the ground. And then we see the second kind of soil that's represented as talked about in verse number 5. He says this, Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Now, he's talking about rocky soil here, but this is not rocky soil um, in the way... or, or, or um, um, it's not rocky soil in the way that there's rocks in the soil that you're plowing up and you're like, oh, we just moved that rock out of the way. He's talking about shallow soil and there's a slab of rock that's underneath this soil. Therefore, 
um, the, 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 the soil that's on top of this slab of rock is very, very shallow. It looks good. Everything about the soil looks good, but there is no depth to it. So what happens is that some of the seed not only falls along the footpath, but some of the seed fell into this, this shallow soil. And because it was shallow, there wasn't a lot of soil that was covering up the seed, so it was quick to spring up. But because there was no depth to the soil, because there was a slab of rock underneath, the, the, the roots had nowhere to go. And so they could not get to a water table or could not get to a water supply. And when the sun comes up, the heat would scorch them because there was no depth in the root and they would wither away. So that was the second type of soil. Third type of soil is verse number 7. It says, Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. Some translations use the word weeds. Fell among the weeds. Now, if you have ever grown a garden, just, just out of, I just want to know who's ever attempted to grow a garden. Let me see. All of the older folks, no offense. The younger people are like, why would I do that? I just go to the grocery store. That's the way I feel because I've tried it like three times now and I'm a failure at it. I can't get it to work. But if you've ever tried growing a garden, you know that, that, that specifically weeds will try to take over your garden. And those weeds become competitors to that seed, right? And isn't it amazing how the weeds grow like five times as fast as what you want to grow? And you have to go out there and you have to weed the garden or, or, or remove this. Otherwise, they will rob the soil from its nutrients. And, and the seed, therefore, that, that really you want to grow is not being able to, to grow like it should because it's getting choked out by the weeds and the thorns. And you know that many of you can relate to this. And so Jesus has given this example. Some fell on hard-packed soil. Some fell on shallow soil. Others fell among thorns or weeds, and they were not able to grow because they were choked out by the competition, by the competitors. So he's saying here, to get what you planted to thrive, you have to eliminate its competition. And then the fourth kind of ver uh, soil is found in verse number 8, and obviously that's the, the goal for all of us to get to. And we're not going to spend any time talking about this one today because we know that we eliminate these first three uh, the fourth one will be um, the soil that we will arrive at. But the fourth soil is the good soil. And he says this in verse number 8, And others fell on good soil. And what happened when, they, when the seed falls on good soil? It yields a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. But if, every time that seed falls on good soil, it's going to yield a crop. It happens automatically. Did you know that, that the seed is... The growth of the seed is automatic. There's nothing that you can do to, uh, to make that work. You don't have to put anything on it. You don't have to hold it under a lamp. You don't have to lick your finger just right and rub on it before you put it in the ground. It's automatic. All you've got to do is get the soil in the right condition, and that seed will work every single time. And so Jesus goes on to say, He says, He who has ears, let him hear. In other words, what I am telling you right now, and this, this story that I'm telling you, is very, very important. Listen up to what I'm telling you. As a matter of fact, when you read Mark's account, which is in Mark chapter number 4, Mark records Jesus as saying this. Let's just read it. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. 
Jesus says, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, the parable of the sower, how will you understand all the other parables? Now, I don't know how you read this, but when I read this, I'm thinking, okay, if Jesus is saying that if I can't understand this parable, how am I going to understand any other parable? Then this one has to be very important. Right? You guys are quiet this morning. I understand. That's, it's cold. It, but he's, what he's talking about is everything, this whole story has to do, as we're about to see, with the Word of God and how that it can affect and transform your life if your soil is in the right condition. The power of the Word of God, in other words. And how that it can cause life change and how that it can cause growth and how that it can break bondage in your life and how that it can bring healing and how that it can bring restoration and how that it can bring deliverance. Jesus is saying, the power of my Word can do this, but it all depends on the condition of your heart. And so all these other stories that I'm going to tell you, if you don't understand the importance of the Word of God, you'll never understand these other things that I want to tell you. So he says, this is why you have to understand what I'm teaching you here. And then he proceeds to explain it. In verse number 18, he says, Hear then, hear then the parable of the sower. He's saying, listen, listen, this is important. I want you to hear this parable of the sower. Now, there are three components. Everybody say three components to this teaching. And I want you to remember these. It's, it's very easy. They all three begin with S. Go ahead and show them that next slide. There's the sower, the seed, and the soil. That's pretty easy. That's the three components of this entire teaching. Sower, seed, soil. Just say that. Sower, seed, soil. Say it again. Sower, seed, soil. Those are the three components that you need to remember from this teaching. When someone says parable of the sower, oh, yep, got it. Sower, seed, soil. Now, let's, let's keep that up there for just a moment, please. Thank you. The first two, the, who is the sower? Well, it, it, okay, maybe that was a confusing question. The sower in this particular instance is, is Jesus. Jesus is sowing the seed. The seed then is, is the Word of God. So Jesus is sowing the seed. The soil then, is the, as we're about to find out as we read on, is, is the condition of our heart. The condition that we receive this, this word in. The sower and the seed are constant. They never change. Okay? The, the seed, or the, excuse me, the soil then is, 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 is variable. It's, uh, uh, the, there can be different conditions of the soil. And, and we can experience different conditions of the soil in our lives at different times. This is very important. Right now, you may have good soil. Okay? But next year, you may take on opening a business or you may take on a huge project and, and you may become this, this third type of soil to where you're just getting choked out by all the, all the craziness that's going on in your life. And so it's very important that we understand these, these three specific conditions of the soil so that we will know where we are so that we can say, God, I need you to break up the ground in my life. I need you to amend the soil in my heart so that I can receive the Word of God. The sower is constantly sowing seed. Constantly. Meaning that Jesus is always speaking. 
He's always speaking. There's a lot of people today say, you know, I don't hear God speak. You know, it's, it's not that God is not speaking. It's just that you're not in an environment or you're not in a, in a place of hearing God speak. But God is constantly speaking. Number one, He speaks through His Word. If you're not reading His Word, you, how in the world are you going to hear God speak? You want to hear God speak? Just read His Word. God just spoke to you. Okay? So God is constantly speaking. He's always speaking. He's constant. Watch this. He's constantly sowing life-giving seed. So if you're here this morning, you see, I want that life-giving seed. I want change in my life. The good news is, is that God is constantly sowing that life-giving seed. Constantly. And those who receive it and obey it, do what it says, they experience life transformation. Happens every time. Those who receive it and obey it, do what it says. i got to kick Scott. I'm going to pick on you for a second. I know he was kidding the other day. We were out... You know, we work out uh, on Fridays, and we were out, we were working out, and him and John, John's doing security right now. John, I know you can hear me right now, and we'll talk about you. But John was talking about a message I preached, I don't know, a year and a half ago, and how John, he was telling us that, that he, he put that in practice, and, and he's working out some things in his life, and Scott made a joke, he's like, oh, you mean... We're actually supposed to take what Pastor Scott says seriously. We're actually supposed to, to do what he's teaching us. I just thought that we were there just to hear a message. And he was just kidding, but I was laughing at that because I think that's what a lot of people think. Not, not so much that, that, that they've got to listen to me, but it's, we're talking about listening to the Word of God. Guys, when we're here on Sundays and we hear this Word of God, this is not just to come and just hear me speak for 40 minutes. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. This is to hear what God is trying to speak to us, take a hold of that, receive it, obey it, and put it into practice in our lives. If we don't get to that point to where we're putting what we're hearing into practice, God's life-transforming power of His Word will not take effect in our lives. We have to put it in practice, you know, I used to get frustrated, and I still get frustrated as a preacher from time to time, but not near as much as I used to. But I used to get frustrated when people wouldn't respond to the message. And I'm not talking about saying amen from time to time. I'm not talking about that kind of response. I'm talking about like the end of the message when, you know, you've pretty much preached your heart out and, and just, you know, you've spent hours prepping for a message and, and you preach it and it's like, eh, <laughs> You know, it's like nobody responds and nobody comes up and people's just looking at their watches and thinking about what's, you know, what's for dinner and where they're going to go after service. And it used to frustrate me until all of a sudden it just, it either dawned on me or I had a revelation from the Holy Spirit. I don't know which one. I'd like to say it's a revelation from the Holy Spirit to say, Scott, you, you can't change people. Nothing you say can change people. And then the message was this, either their soil is ready to receive, or it's not. And in other words, the things that I, and I always pray, believe it or not, I pray and ask God, God, what do you want me to share with the people? And there's sometimes I would much rather preach something different than what I share. But I share the things that I feel that God needs for us as a congregation to hear. And so there are times that I share that, and it's like, God, there's nobody responding. And he's like, Scott, either their seed, either their soil is going to be ready or, or it's not. In other words, the word will do what it sets out to accomplish to do. 
but it has to be falling upon people who are ready to receive. That's why you can literally have hundreds of people come into a room, hear the exact same message, experience the exact same service. Some people are changed, they're kicking habits, they're overcoming uh, defeats in their life, they're overcoming addictions, while other people are unmoved. It's the same word that went forth, but it was different soil conditions. That's very important. I believe what Jesus is saying here in this parable is that, listen guys, I'm the Messiah, I'm the healer, I'm the restorer, I'm the, I'm the deliverer, I'm the Savior, I am everything that you need me to be, but the work that I do in you is going to depend on the condition of your soil. So then he begins to explain what each of these different soils represent. And these are important for us to look at. We're going to take the next little bit to look at each one of these first three soil conditions individually. And, and the reason I want us to look at them is because I want us to be able to recognize why or why we are not seeing fruit in our lives. Because if we have good soil, what happens? Fruit. Growth. Change. Become more like Jesus. But if we're not seeing those things happen, then the condition of our heart has to be one of the first three types of soils that Jesus is talking about. So let, let's break down each of these first three soil issues so we can recognize where we are today. So here's the first one. Number one is the hard-packed soil. I tried to come up with some creative names. I'm, I'm not very creative. But... Uh, if you can think of something better, write it down in your notes, okay? But the hard-packed soil. Let's, now, now let's move on down. We're, we're in the part of the parable now. We're going to begin in verse 19. We're in the part of a, the parable where Jesus is, is comparing these soil conditions that he just explained with the heart of man and, and how it's representing the, the soil condition that he talked about earlier. So, verse 19, he's explaining this parable. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road, or the wayside, or the footpath, or the hard-packed soil. This is the person who is... Set in their ways. This is just the way I see it. This is the person who is resistant to change. This is the person who doesn't want to listen to any advice, who doesn't want to listen to any instruction, who is very religious, who is very traditional, and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. Tradition can be good. But they're just so set in their ways that they're not open to change. Oh, they are. They're kind of like what we talked about last week. They, they are to an extent, but when it gets down to obedience, they're really not wanting to change. Their lack of desire to, to implement disciplines in their life is proof that they really don't want to change. That makes sense? So here's this person who is, has this hard-packed soil. They come to church on a Sunday because obviously there were people in this crowd that Jesus was talking about who was there to hear what Jesus said who who represented this condition, okay? So obviously there are people that are here on a Sunday morning who have come for whatever reason. You're here today. You're going to hear a sermon, but you're going to think, I ain't doing that. I'm not doing that. Oh, Scott, that was a good message. If they'd have only been here. 
I know someone who needed to hear this. I'm not doing that. That was good, Scott, but I'm not doing that. In other words, their hardness keeps the supernatural seed from penetrating their heart. That is a, to me, that's a vivid illustration, a a vivid uh, image of what, of how God's Word, the things that God is speaking through me right now, the things that God says in His Word, how it's supernatural power and how it wants to give you life-transforming uh, uh, change in your life, it's right there at the threshold. But because your heart is hard and not in a place to receive, the supernatural breakthrough of that seed just sits there. It can't penetrate. It can't do any work in your life. And then just a few moments after you hear the sermon, to make sure that you don't pick that back up and give it any more thought, whew, the enemy comes and takes that word. So now, here it comes Wednesday. Uh, you, don't, you don't even know what, what was taught on Sunday, let alone you know, taking notes and, and, and trying to apply it to your life. The enemy's stolen it from your heart. And as a result, there's, there's no breakthrough experience going on in your life. You know what? I, I, I'm getting pretty good at this. I'm going to make another bold statement this morning. But did, did you know that I believe there are people that in this room who have never experienced the life the true life-changing power of God's Word. I mean, you, you may know what it's like to hear a good message. You may know what it's like to feel you know, goosebumps from time to time and raise your hands during praise and worship. But you've never experienced the life change that comes in God's Word. You've never experienced what it's like to be set free of something. You've never experienced what it's like to have victory over, over some temptation that you just keep falling victim to. You, you don't know what it's like. You've never experienced that change. And I'm here to tell you, and, and I say this with confidence this morning, it, it's not my fault. It's not the preacher's fault. It, it's not the church's fault. It's not anyone else's fault. Except yours. And I know we live in a culture today to where, where, where no one wants to hear it's my fault. And, and, and we don't ever want to say, hey, listen, here's why. It's, it's your fault. It's because of what you're doing. We live in a culture today that is, that's not acceptable. That's not political correct. We want to find something else to put the blame on. But I'm just here to tell you, I'm going by what God's Word says. If your soul is open to receive the Word of God, when that Word comes and your soul has been amended to the fact that, that it's all the nutrients are there, it's ready for that seed, when that seed is sown, life change will happen. So if that life change is not happening, it's not the Word's fault. It's not the church's fault. Some of you are bouncing around from church to church to church. You get mad at somebody, get mad at the preacher, don't like this stuff. Listen, just stop putting the blame on the church. That had been, been a good place to cash in an amen right there. But that's okay. That's okay. The Word, if you would just say, God, what's going on in my life? I need you to break up the ground in my heart so that the, soil, the seed can be sown so that I can experience breakthrough. To be changed by God, we have to break up the hard-packed soil of our heart. We have to truly make Jesus the Lord of our lives. So we have the the hard-packed soil. Second type of soil is found in verses 20 and 21. And this is the shallow soil. Everybody say shallow soil. And if you think of something better, feel free to write that down. Verse number 20, the one on whom seed was sown... On the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root 
in Himself. But is only temporary. Watch this. And when, everybody say when. Notice it doesn't say if. What does it say? When affliction or persecution arises because of the Word, immediately he falls away. Shallow soul. Here's a person who comes to church or or wherever, hears the Word of God, is excited about it. Woo! Man, that was a good word. I can't wait to apply it to my life. I can't wait for change. I'm going to, God, I promise, here's a good one, I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. I'm going to be dedicated to you the rest of my I'm going to go to church every Sunday this year. Y'all know how it is. You feel good, and in that moment, man, you'll, you, you'll take on the world. Right? I mean, you're making commitments. You're doing all sorts of things. And so he receives it with joy. Now remember, this is the shallow soil. Just like Jesus said, that the seed goes in there and immediately springs up. Woo! You see some things happening. You see, wow, man, they're... They've come two, sun, two Sundays in a row. That would be a big, if I, anyway, anyway. <laughs> I'm going to just say, if some of you, if I saw you two weeks in a row, I would wonder what in the world's been going on in your life. I mean, is someone that died and you just, you're coming back to God or what? It would just be a miracle. <laughs> but, but these are people who receive the word with joy. They're excited. They're ready for change. And then that life-changing power of the seed meets opposition. It tries to grow and produce change, but it hits a wall. A slab of stone just below the surface. Now, here's a good verse to keep in mind with this one. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus said this, In this world, you will have trouble. Now, we don't like this verse. But... Jesus is not saying you, you know, you might. He's saying you will have, have trouble. Just, just look, look at your neighbor right now and just say, hey, you're going to have trouble in this world. It's I mean, life, ha- you tell them this, say, life happens. It happens. You're going to have trouble. But then he tells us the good news, but, but take heart because I've overcome the world. He, he's telling us you're, you're going to have trouble in this world. He told us a while ago, he says, when the person that, that has this shallow soil, when, when, when the seed is, is sown, they, it springs up with joy, they're excited. But then when, when affliction and persecution happens, they wither away because there's, there, there's no depth. We have to understand. I've seen this time and time again. People will come. I'm not questioning whether or not they gave their life to Jesus or not. That's, I'm not the judge of that, only that's between them and God but they make all these commitments and they do good for a while and then they meet some sort of opposition. Some sort of, they hit a wall. Something happens in their life. And, and it's, it's crazy because it, immediately they begin to blame God. This, if I hadn't been trying to live for God, this wouldn't have happened. You know, you can't always say that. Okay? Because life, ha- things happen. Christians have blowouts. Christians, dryers and washers, they go out. Amen. I mean, you're not, you're not in a bubble now to where things don't happen. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble in this world. But, but, your, but your soil can't just be shallow. You've you got to have some substance. So, so when those 
afflictions and persecutions, when those troubles come, you've you got a choice. You can either throw up your hands and run away from God, or you can run to God and say, God, I need you to break up the ground of my soil so I can learn to trust you more during this tough time. Because afflictions are going to happen. We all experience problems in this life because we live in a fallen world. But regardless of what happens to you or what you go through, listen, we sang about this a while ago, God is a good God. Just say that, God is a good God. Regardless of what you're going through, God is a good God. And here's, here's one thing that, that we're reminded of in Scripture, that whatever it is that we're going through, we may think that it's bad, but, but the Bible says that, that God is going to work that to the good, to those who love Him. God, God can cause what the enemy meant for bad and work it for good, which means that we have to learn to trust Him. God, I don't understand this. You know what I'm going through. God, I, I, I'm having struggles right now. Part of me wants to give up. So God, I need You to amend the soil of my heart. I need You to break up this hard ground. I need You to, to drive in deeper and break up this bedrock that's below the surface, God, so I can learn to depend on You more and trust You more. Afflictions happen, troubles happen, problems happen, life happens. And when these happen, we feel the burden of this internal pressure. Afflictions. But we also face external pressure, which is the persecution part of the verse. Now, I, I, I feel kind of silly for even talking about persecution because really, over here in America, we, we don't even know what persecution is. But I, I can't just not talk about the types of persecution that we experience just because of that. But persecution, pressures from the outside. You know, I don't know if this happened to you, but I can remember when I gave my life to Christ, I, I took a lot of heat from people that, you know, would make fun of me or, you know, tease me. And why, why would you go to, to church? I mean, why don't you come with us and give me all types of pressures from the outside, you know, try to try to get, get me to go with them or whatever. And so many times we let the voice of other people outweigh the voice of God in our lives. And we listen to outsiders. We listen to family members, especially when it comes to culture. I mean, the, the, to be a Christian today, to be a true Christian, I should say today, is completely anti-culture. And, and I'm not here to to proclaim this by no means, but I, but I could I could guarantee it just by seeing the way our world head is headed, it's only going to get worse for Christians. And if we don't have deep roots, we will yield more to what culture is saying, and friends are saying, or so-called friends are saying, and family members are saying, than we will to yield to the Word of God. That's why I'm telling you, young people, listen to me. You you got to be anchored in God's Word. It doesn't matter what culture is saying. You better know what this book right here says. Because culture will say one thing, but you've got to know what the Word of God is and what it says. And we have to keep letting God work in our lives and keep obeying Him even when we don't see the way forward. That's where real change and real growth happens. When you feel pressure, when you feel affliction, when you feel persecution, when you're faced with problems, I want to challenge you to go further. Get into the Word of God. Pray more. God, break up this ground. I want to learn to trust You more. Otherwise, if we don't let God work on us during these times, what roots we do have will shrivel up and will wither away. And then the third type of soil is found in verse number 22. 
<laughs> I didn't even know, really, this is cheesy. Thorny soil, or you can call it weedy soil. I don't, I don't know. Just don't focus on that. We're looking at the conditions here. So, Verse 22. The one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man, this is, this is probably where the majority of us are today. Okay? This is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Uh-oh. Choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. I want you to get this picture right, right now. I mean, you, you, you name it. You go and you pick out some seed and you plant it. Maybe it's tomato, maybe it's peppers, maybe it's cucumbers. And you, and you plant it. And that seed that you planted has the potential to, to bring so much good into your life. I mean, in other people's lives. Because you can share that. You can enjoy the, the fruits of it. But if you don't deal with the competitors to that seed, which are the, the weeds and the, soil, and the, uh, uh, the thorns, then those things are going to choke out all of that potential that that seed could bring forth. Just, just visualize that for a moment. This is what Jesus is saying about here, here, here is a person who, who hears the Word of God, the Word is sown, but, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the Word. Did you know that Jesus spoke more about money and possessions than He did on any other topic? Go, go Google it. Look it up. He spoke more on money and possessions than He did on any other topic. And the reason that He did that, I believe, is because He knew that those things would be the number one competitor for the heart of man. Competitor. And the reason that He taught so much on those things was because He didn't want our focus on money or on wealth or on, on possessions to be greater than our focus on Him. In fact, Jesus made this bold statement in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. Now this is a newer translation. It says money. Some of the older translations will use the word mammon. And really... Um, mammon, when you look it up, it's, it's, it's really a spirit. It's a spirit of wealth. In other words, your, your desire is, is, is greed. It's like all about attaining and achieving more. Having, oh, I need more stuff. Because more stuff or more money to you brings some sort of sense of security. Or peace. Come on, we, I mean, it, it does. Okay, I mean, you can act like it doesn't, but... I mean, if you've got like $5 million in the bank, you feel, you feel pretty untouchable. <coughs> we have a parking lot that needs to be paved if you have that much money. <laughs> I mean, if you've got a big house and nice cars and life is good and you've got money in the bank and there's no worries, there's no debt, I mean, you, you feel pretty secure, don't you? Somebody's like, I don't know. <laughs> you would feel pretty secure. But let me tell you, it's a, it's a false sense of security because those things can be lost in a moment's notice i'm reminded about the story remember the story where where there was a rich man and who's looking to build bigger barns he had all this stuff to store up and he's like oh man i'm running out of room i should build more barns and and i believe it's the lord he's telling the story and he says you, you fool your soul is going to be required of you this very night you, you're going to die this very night 
And what are all these things going to do for you then? So what Jesus is saying is you can't, you can't serve this spirit of, uh, of wealth and possessions and greed and lust and love for money. You can't, your focus can't be on, on those things. Your trust can't be in those things. It's got to be solely in me. It's either one or the other. You can't be all consumed by wealth and materialism and, and possessions and all these things and, thinks that, and think that's where your peace and your, your trust and security is going to come from. As a matter of fact, another verse that's, that's a, to, to, to throw out during this is, is, is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Many of you know this. We often misquote this, but Paul says this, the love of money. Everybody say the love of money. The love, not money. Okay? Money is just a tool. It can be good or it can be bad. So a lot of people say money is the root of all evil. We don't need that money. I stay away from that money. Well, give it to me then. I'll take it because it's not evil. It's the love of money is a root, watch this, of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed away, strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So many people, they had this love of money, this love for more, 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 that they have strayed away from their trust in God. There's more trust in money than there is in God. And I always find this ironic or coincidental that when you pull out your... I would show you, but my son invaded my wallet last night. But on your, on your dollar bills or $5 bills, it all says, even on the, the, the coins... In God we trust. It, it's, it, it always amazes me that even when they, they made our American money way back when, that they knew, let's put this on the money so that we'll, we'll always be reminded that even though we have this money, but it's God that we trust in. In God we trust. The love of money, love of things and possessions is what leads us away. <clears throat> See, God wants our trust to be solely in Him. And if it's not, then we get caught up in the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. <clears throat> Excuse me. And those things choke out the Word of God. Many of us, and, and I'm guilty of this from time to time, we act as though that, that we are all alone in this world, that all the provision is dependent upon us, that we got to work, work, work. It's all dependent upon us, that, that we don't trust God for our provision. We act as though we don't trust that He is going to take care of things. And like I said, I'm guilty of this from time to time. God, my banking account's getting low. I, I, I better go out and I better do some things. And yes, there's some common sense in that, but to some degree, we're, we're acting as though we're not trusting God. So we work ourselves to the bone trying to attain and achieve more. We work ourselves to death trying to achieve and attain a certain level of success that the world has defined. This is what it looks like to be successful. And we chase after that. We strive to reach this level. We're consumed with the anxiety of always trying to achieve more. And as a result, watch this, and I promise I'm closing. Man, I'm way over. It's raining outside anyway, I hear it, so... You guys have nowhere to go. And as a result of us chasing these, these, these deceits of riches and, and being caught up in the cares of this world, watch this, we don't have time to attend a small group because we got too much going on. 
I don't have time to get up in the morning and read my Bible and pray because I, I got to get to where I'm going. And we're, we're always rushed, 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 rushed. Got to get to work. Got to do this. Got to do this. Got to make more money. Do this. I ain't got time to be generous. I can't be given financially to church. I can't be generous to those in need because then that's, that's going to take away, Preston, that's going to take away from my stash over here. I'm trying to achieve something here. And if I, if I give some of that away, that's going to mean less for me. I can't volunteer or serve. I just got too much going on. Man, if I had a dollar for every time that I heard somebody say that, I'd be a rich guy today. It's the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. They're choking out the potential of God's Word in our lives. Man, I hope you hear this this morning. We ain't got time. We're, we're too consumed with so, so much anxiety about trying to, to fulfill things and obligations and achieve this success, achieve this level, and work harder to do this. and want more money, bigger house. I want all of these. We're chasing all these things, and we're so consumed with these things that we don't have time for the supernatural, life-transforming power of the, of the Word of God to get embedded into our heart to really produce change. And we miss out. We miss out. Like a weed is a competitor to the seed that you planted. Cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches are competitors to the supernatural seed that God wants to sow in your life. And the way that you beat that, the way that you overcome that and, and to keep those things from becoming the focus of your life and to keep those things from becoming gods in your life is through surrender. You yield those things to God. You yield your time to God. You yield your, your work to God. You give you're praying over your job, praying over these things. You're taking time before you start the day. God, I'm, I realize this day has been given to me by you, and I'm going to start this day in prayer. God, I realize that this money that I have is, is your money. God, I'm going to yield that to you. I'm going to give to your kingdom. And I promise you, and this is not a, it's not a teaching on money per se, but I'm just here to tell you, and I, we've already taken the offering. I have... I'm not going to benefit anything from this. I would tell you this if we were one-on-one. -on -one. Because I've been faithfully giving now for 22 years. Faithfully giving at, at least 10%. Sometimes 20% a year of my income. And I do that because I know that, that God is a good God. God is a God that I can trust. God is a God who has always been faithful to me. It doesn't always make sense. God, I don't understand. Why would I give when I'm like, I, I, you know, I, I want those things for myself. But, but God's plan works. God's word works. And as we give, as we put His kingdom first, that supernatural life-transforming seed that, that soil is broken up and it goes deeper and deeper and becomes more effective in our life. So it, it happens through surrender. You give Him everything. Don't choke out the potential of God's Word in your life by being consumed with things that don't matter. In closing this morning, my question is this. Are you actively and intentionally creating space for the supernatural seed of God's Word to work in your life? Are you doing that? Because this, th this is the seed right here. This is the seed. Are you actively and intentionally creating room or creating space in your life for this seed to work? If you're not making room for it, I, I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you, but, but 
you're not going to see the life-transforming power of God's Word working in your life. You have to make room for it. You've got you to amend the soil. You've got to break up the, this hard ground. You've got to get in prayer. You've got to get into a devotional. Get into a reading. Get into a small group. Get into some accountability. And get your soil in the right condition where when the Word of God's seed is sown, the seed of the Word of God is sown, that there's life change that happens. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Father, I thank You so much, Lord, for this time that we have been able to hear the Word of God. God, I thank You so much, Lord, for this teaching that You gave through Your Son, Jesus, 2,000 years ago. Lord, our series is He Said What? And I'm sure that while You were teaching this, that there were some people that were thinking, what, what is He trying to say? But God, for those who had ears to hear, Lord, their lives were changed. Lord, there were people who left their occupations to follow You. Lord, there were people who sold everything that they had to follow You. There were people who left their mother and father behind to go and follow You. There were people, Lord, who, who left their boats, their, their fishing gear, left everything behind to go and follow You. God, there was something that happened that when You taught them, and they were open to it, and they obeyed what You said, Lord, there was life change that happened. Father, I pray for forgiveness. Lord, I ask for forgiveness in my life for all the times, Lord, that I have not listened to and not put into practice the Word of God that You were trying to teach me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us, Father, Lord, for having so much going on in our lives, Lord, that we don't truly entertain the Word of God and, and give it room and place to work in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that starting today that we, would, that we would begin to implement some disciplines in our life, Lord, to actively and intentionally make room for the Gospel to work in our lives. God, if we truly believe that this, this Word is life-changing seed, if we truly believe that this Word can set us free and heal our bodies and deliver us and save us, God, then we will make room for it to work in our lives. If we don't truly believe that, Father Lord, we will obviously not make room for it. So Father, I pray that Your Spirit would begin to speak to each person that's in this room, each person that will watch this online, that You will speak to us and show us which one of the soil conditions that we are. Are we, are we the hard-packed soil that is resistant to change, who is just coming and hearing the Word but not willing to do anything with it? Are we the shallow soil that every time we hear a Word, we get excited and we're, we're ready for change, but deep down inside, we, we've never really took the, the time to, to amend our soil and, and get our hearts right, and so therefore, when we meet opposition, God, we fizzle out? Or are we the type of soil that we're so consumed by the cares of this world being misled by the deceitfulness of riches that those things have choked out the Word of God in our lives. God, whichever soil that we are, show us where we are and, um, and what we need to do, Father Lord, to, to change that. I thank You for this day. I pray, Lord, that You would seal this Word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen.